That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yep, we found out what Bob Corker is made of. Jello. Yeah, give him a little tax break for his real estate business, and he caves. He's going to vote for the tax cut. Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Tuesday, December 19? Here we go. The Bill Press Show coming to you live from uh, where? Our nation's capital, of course. Washington, D.C., and our studio on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action. A big day of news yesterday, big day today. Yep, a train derailment on the inaugural run of that new Amtrak service between Seattle and Portland, uh, Oregon. A beautiful ride. I've taken it before on the old train. The new one didn't make it. Tragedy hitting uh, even before it got out of Washington State. Donald Trump giving a speech yesterday saying, we don't give a damn about the rest of the world. We're going to just go our own way, screw everybody else, reversing some 75 years of American foreign policy where we uh, acted like the leader of the world rather than uh, you know, thumbing our nose at the rest of the world. And yes, Republicans have lined up enough votes if they can only get enough Republicans there to vote. Uh, they will pass their tax cut bill this year. Just a couple of the stories we'll be looking at. Good to have you with us all across this great land of ours. We look forward to hearing from you. You are very much a part of the program. Let's hear from you. Uh, Send us your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. We jump in with both feet, but first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. It is the end of the year, so we continue with some end of the year lists. A new list shows the worst drivers in America in 2017. Which state would that be? Any guesses? Um, Virginia. Virginia is a good guess. This is not uh, number one. Uh, um, worst, worst, worst. Um, hmm. I say New Jersey. The worst drivers in America are in California. Oh no, that's not true. This is a study. Uh, not con- true. This is a it's study. This is a. St- I'll tell you how they Bullshit. got the numbers. I'll tell you how they got the numbers. It was uh, done by a, na- a national auto insurance company, which looked at a couple of different insurance claims or different insurance claims around the country. They said that 2017 saw a giant increase in moving violations as well as DUI arrests in California, and so that 
shows that they are the worst drivers in the country. If you're wondering where the best drivers are, they are in Delaware. Not far off. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Rhode Wait. Island is the, are the best drivers in the country. Quakers. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, yeah that's no, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I didn't think yeah. about I didn't think about that. Well, we're going to talk about the tax bill here in just a moment uh, because we do have what looks to be a tax bill. But wait, wait, here's the thing. We talked before about how they sent this tax bill uh, through, even though it has a lot of problems in it, just just straight up clerical mm-hmm. errors and yeah, mistakes. Yeah. Well, yesterday, Kevin Brady, Republican from Texas, said we're going to have to write another tax bill to fix the problems in this particular tax bill. So when you rush things through in the middle of the night, you don't let people look at it and go over it. This is kind of what happens. You make a lot of screw-ups. And so to fix it, he said yesterday, quote, I can't imagine any undertaking like this that doesn't require technical corrections in the future. So they're going. They, he just admits they're going to have to write another bill to address the problems that they messed up. Uh, that's why they have a process called the regular process where they print the bill they put it out there. Well, they used to. They hold hearings. Yeah, they used to. Yeah. They say they won't vote on it until everybody's had three days to read it. Mm-mm. No. And final story. Uh, earlier this year, Walt Disney World closed down the Hall of Presidents exhibit in Orlando because they had to add a new life-size robot of President Paul Donald Bunyan. Trump. Yeah. So they have Donald Trump there now. It will reopen today, which will feature... Donald John Trump. It doesn't look that much like him. It doesn't look much like him at all, no. Kind of looks like a cartoon version of him. It does. On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Happy Tuesday, everybody. What do you say on this Tuesday, December 19? Uh, here we go. The Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Great to join you on a beautiful day here. Starting out in our nation's capital, uh, we end up alongside of you wherever you are in this great land of ours with all the news of the day. Big stories that we're following. Train derailment in Washington State yesterday. Donald Trump giving a his uh, national security uh, address yesterday here in Washington, and nothing new there. Republicans uh, giving away tax benefits to members of Congress, uh, particularly in the Senate, as fast as they can to make sure that every Republican has all the money in his pocket that he uh, that he demands before they uh, bring the bill up for a vote uh, tomorrow or the next day. And then they've got to figure out how to keep the government open. Uh, and by the way, did you realize we are spending $22 million a year? The Pentagon is looking for UFOs. Yes, indeed. We'll find them. Damn it. They're out there. Truth is out We're there. We're going to find them. Um, great lineup today as we come to you on online, YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. As we join you on Free Speech TV, hello out there on TV land and on Radio Land on WCPT out in Chicago and Indiana Talks in the state of Indiana. Adam Smith from Every Voice will be here a little bit later uh, to talk about money in politics. Alex Bolton covers uh, the Congress for The Hill, uh, bringing us up to date on the tax cut and the attempts to shut down the government. And then from the White House, Justin Sink for with uh, Bloomberg News 
uh, joining us in studio as well. And don't forget, you are our most important guest every day, and we want to hear from you and your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. Yeah, let's start with that train derailment. You know, a really, really tragedy there in, in Washington State. And I say this as a, a train lover, love taking Amtrak, take Amtrak a couple of times a month anyhow, at least, between Washington and New York, mainly to go up and do a CNN there at Time Warner Center. Uh, great service. Can't say enough good things about the train service. It's just a great way to go, but uh, proved uh, not such a great way yesterday. On the, And I've taken that train, by the way, from Seattle to Portland, the old slow train. Beautiful, beautiful country you go through there. Uh, but this was brand new service for uh, Amtrak. Uh, they had put in a whole new line, uh, a high-speed train, relatively high-speed for the United States, uh, and uh, this was the first run, um, got uh, south of Tacoma, south of Olympia, and then derailed the entire train, as you know, from an overpass, went down on Highway 5, ended up crushing a couple of cars, crushing a tractor-trailer, three people killed uh, one locomotive even ended up down on uh, on I-5. And, of course, uh, Donald Trump immediately, immediately saw an opportunity uh, to plug, to play politics with it. Uh, first, he said his speech yesterday, he, in his speech yesterday, he reflected the content of two tweets that he had sent out previously. Um, uh, so he starts his speech by actually repeating the second tweet, which is, we're sorry for the people that were victims out there. Let me begin by expressing our deepest sympathies and most heartfelt prayers for the victims of the train derailment in Washington state. Uh, On Twitter, that was his second comment. His first comment was his second comment at the speech, if you follow, where he saw a political opportunity. We are closely monitoring the situation and coordinating with local authorities. It is all the more reason why we must start immediately fixing the infrastructure oh, yeah. of right. the United States. Right. All oh, the yeah. more reason why you have to pass my inter- infrastructure bill. Uh, by the way, we do need to fix our infrastructure, but where the hell is Donald Trump's plan? He hasn't talked about infrastructure the entire year. Since Infrastructure Week, when he didn't talk about infrastructure. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about during the campaign and all, remember, a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan to create jobs and fix America's infrastructure. He hasn't done one damn thing about it all year. And also, you just, I don't mean mean to get picky here, but this was not a broken-down rail system. This was a brand-new line, brand-new tracks, it was going the, eighty. It was going. The problem is, it was yeah, going eighty miles per hour in yeah. a thirty mile per hour. Exactly. Zone. That's the yeah, problem. That's the problem. That's not an infrastructure problem. No, not an infrastructure problem. We know now. So he jumps right away, as he always does, to take a tragedy and make it about me, and make it a political point. Remember, after um, after the uh, just ten days ago, after the, uh, the the failed bomb in the New York subway, he said right away, "This is why." You need to pass my immigration thing to stop chain migration, right? After the Orlando shooting at the Pulse nightclub, his first comment was, this is why we have to stop ISIS, right? You have to do what I went to ISIS. 
uh, or one other terrorist attack. This is why we have to build the wall, right? It's always about how can I turn this out, this tragedy into me, 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 something for my political gain. Does it all the time. Did it again yesterday. Uh, Yeah. By the way, yes, we do need an infrastructure bill. Where is it, Mr. President? Where is it? There is not – it's not a plan or a bill that they can't get enough votes for. Right. I keep coming back to it. There is nothing. He has put forward nothing, not one word. Instead, all of his energy went into trying to repeal Obamacare and now trying to pass a tax cut plan for the very, very wealthy. And if it's too bad, if anything got derailed, that the tax cut bill didn't get derailed. But, man, that is on the fast track, fast track to passage this week because they are buying people off as fast as they can. And the latest is that phony Bob Corker, who said, I will remember, I will never vote for anything that adds one penny to the deficit. The latest count is, forget what organization yesterday did an analysis of this bill. So we've heard trillion dollars of deficit legally, by the, I'm sorry, not legally, (laughs) by their phony rules Mm. that they've rigged the system they're allowed to add a trillion and a half deficit by reconciliation, a trillion and a half dollars to the deficit by re- re- reconciliation. The latest analysis that was released yesterday shows that this thing is actually going to cost $2.2 trillion. But Bob Corker is going to vote for it because he said it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do what? <laughs> to raise the deficit? No, it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Bob Corker to get a huge tax break, which he got. Corker was a no vote until they added another rider in there just yesterday and just minutes before Corker said, I'll vote for it. Now, he claims there's no connection whatsoever. And Orrin Hatch says, how dare you suggest that we put this in there to get Bob Corker's vote? You know what? Baloney. Come on, how dumb does, do they think we are? <laughs> Corker, who's a real estate billionaire, real estate billionaire from Tennessee, uh, owns massive office buildings down there. Uh, he uh, benefits from commercial real estate, just like, by the way, <clears throat> Donald Trump does, right? Uh, so they put in a rider that gives people owning buildings like this an extra 20% discount off their profits that they make. So and, and to to, to re- off their tax bill, they can reduce their uh, after tax profit by twenty percent, and then they pay th- 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 reduce their profit by twenty percent. That's what they pay taxes on. Uh, so he gets a twenty percent deal, and Bob Corker says, "Oh man, once in a lifetime deal, I'm for it." Yeah, they're calling this the Corker kickback. So we know what what <laughs> what Bob Corker is made of. But he's not the only phony yesterday that folded. Listen to the woman who is considered. Really, the one with real backbone in the Congress, Susan Collins, wouldn't vote to repeal Obamacare because she cares about the middle class, uh, and she was not going to vote for this tax cut because she cares about the middle class. She folded completely. Here she is on the floor of the Senate yesterday. I rise to express my support for the conference agreement on the Tax Cuts and Job Act. The Tax Cuts and Job Act. What's this bill going to do, Susan Collins? This legislation will provide tax relief to working families. 
encourage the creation of jobs right here in America and spur economic growth that will benefit all Americans. You know, she can't even read talking points. I'm ashamed. I, I, as a I Mainer, mean, I'm ashamed. Uh, ashamed. A you native can Mainer. hear it in her voice. She doesn't believe what I, she's I wish saying. that she had decided to run for governor. Because yeah. if she was going to run yeah. for governor, she'd win. <clears throat> and then she wouldn't have to be dragged down by her awful colleagues in the Senate. And she with left. fake bribes. Yeah, she's no. not going to get anything out of this. She, no. There's no she, deal here. She did this on a promise and she's that they're lying. going to pass some legislation. She's lying about this. It doesn't create jobs. You know, uh, the latest poll, NBC, CNN's out with a poll this morning shows 60, get this, 66% of the American people say that this tax cut is just a boondoggle for the wealthy. The American people know what's going on. And this is, this, this is a boondoggle for the members. By the way, these Republican, look, these guys in the Senate, these Republicans, they are all millionaires. They are all benefiting from this. They are lining their own pockets. And so is, especially, even more so, Donald Trump and his family. By the way, so remember Ron Johnson. He was one of the first ones who said, oh, I don't think I can vote for this. And then they gave the Johnson kickback, which was they increased the amount of money that people with so-called pass-through businesses um, can can uh, that can write off right, or the lower the amount of taxes people with pass through businesses uh, have to pay. Now the way that works, it sounds complicated, is really not. What it means is you got a business, a so called pass through business. You don't pay corporate tax of thirty nine percent. You pass it through to your private personal taxes, and then you pay that lower rate, which is even going to get lower, of course, under this new tax bill. That's what Ron Johnson wanted, and he got it. You think Ron Johnson is a happy man? Donald Trump has 500 pass-through businesses. 500 pass-through businesses. Uh, the New York Times points out this morning that the amount of money for this that we're giving to these people with pass-through businesses adds up to $414.5 billion dollars in lost revenue over 10 years. Uh, That's, by the way, if you want to put that in context, we spend $14 billion a year on the Children's Health Insurance Program, $14 billion as opposed to $414.5 billion. Uh, And that Children's Health Insurance Program, of course, the money was cut for that in September. So we can't afford Man. a children's health program, but we can afford the pass-through for Donald Trump and his 500 businesses and Ron Johnson, and we can afford the big commercial real estate break for Donald Trump and Bob Corker. You know, and that sums up the Republican I was gonna say, tax look, cut. Bill. Look, look, there are there are people out there who say, oh, Donald Trump is, is an aberration. Donald Trump is... No. Not the Republican Party. Donald Trump is is dragging down the Republican Party. And there are parts of that where, okay, you, you might have an argument. But this tax plan, this tax bill is not Donald Trump, right? Like, he's going to benefit from it greatly, but all of these resistance Republicans that Democrats love to say are so good and so thoughtful, Jeff Flake, not John McCain, Lisa Murkowski, Jeff, uh, or Bob Corker, Susan Collins, no. all of these people, they still have an R behind their name, 
and they are not serving the people of the United States. They're serving their corporate interests. They're serving Remember themselves. that. This yeah, is not Donald Trump pushing some sort of unprecedented no. law through. These are the actual establishment Republicans and so-called yeah. resistance Republicans who have taken a couple of stands against Donald Trump who are making this happen. Now, he's going to benefit enormously, but he wouldn't if these Republicans didn't take care of themselves first, which is exactly yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the last canard about this tax cut bill is, uh, uh, and notice, nobody, nobody's calling it tax reform anymore. Tax, no. Tax reform, we need. Uh, several people pointed out yesterday that this, you know, the whole idea, Paul Ryan says, oh, yeah, you're going to be able to tell your payer taxes on a postcard, right? We're going to simplify the tax code. This does not simplify the tax code at all. This makes the tax code all the more complicated. This is 1,400 pages added to the tax code. And if, it's, if I think anything this is, this is a full, em, full employment bill for tax accountants to try to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, it's going to pass. The president's going to sign it. It is going to be a disaster. And I still say, I've said it before, they will rue the day. They will regret the day that they pass this bill. Already 66% of Americans uh, don't like it. Uh, that number is going to just grow and grow and grow once people find out that they don't get anything out of this What's bill the- unless they're a millionaire already. Uh, then they get a huge tax cut that lasts forever. Otherwise, you're just getting screwed. We're just learning what's in the bill. Yeah. Because of the way that they did this, we're just now learning about what's in the bill. Right. And this is how low it is already. Imagine once more people hear about it. Yeah. Uh, so the president yesterday gave a little speech on America first uh, big speech down at the uh, Reagan uh, International Building, just up from the White House, uh, kind of summing up things that he's already said before. Uh, this is his new national security plan. We are reasserting these fundamental truths. A nation without borders is not a nation. Mm-hmm. So meaning, meaning, of course, we have to build a wall because it's not just that you have a border. Of course, we have a border. We have a southern border and we have a northern border. Uh, no, but we don't have a wall. That's what he's saying there. And what is our policy with the rest of the world? With every decision and every action, we are now putting America first. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I hear America first, that really sends chills up my spine. You know what, America first. You know who used the term America first, first, if you will. America, this was pre-World War II. America first was the name of the movement that opposed U.S. helping our European allies fight Nazi Germany. America first were the people who opposed intervention in World War II. The American first was Charles Lindbergh. It was uh, Henry Ford. It was Daddy Joe Kennedy. These are the people who opposed Franklin Roosevelt's effort to save the world from Nazi, Nazi Germany. These were Nazi sympathizers. These were Hitler sympathizers. Charles Lindbergh actually went over there and met with Hitler. And this is the term that Donald Trump is using and re- bringing back and resurrecting for America's foreign policy. I think it's disgusting, and I think it's dangerous, and it's also wrong. I mean, ever since we made that leap and went and with D-Day and, 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 and went to help England and France and, and save Germany from, 
from Nazism in Belgium and Holland and all the European countries. The United States has been the leader of the free world, working with other nations to build a better planet uh, for, for everybody and plant the seeds of democracy around the globe. What Donald Trump is saying now is basically, no, all that, that day is over. 75 years of that is over. Right now, we only care about ourselves. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to assert ourselves. Every other nation on the planet has joined the Paris Accords. Screw that, says Donald Trump. We're going to go our own way. Fifteen nations came up with a, a deal, a nuclear deal, to get Iran out of the nuclear weapons business. Donald Trump, nope, screw that. We're going to go our own way. We're not going to work with these 15 nations. And every, you look at in every single way Donald Trump has said, no, we're going, to, we're going to go it alone, and we don't care about anybody else, and that's what they ought to do. It's every man, every woman for himself, that, which is a disaster. You know, in terms of world leadership. Here's another bit of fun history on the term America First. You talk about the origins from World War II. The Atlantic actually uh, published an article right after Trump's inauguration speech uh, earlier this year uh, talking about the origin. Uh, Just to go back to the year 2000, all right, Pat Buchanan uh, (laughs) used America First as the slogan for his presidential run. Uh, yes, he did. And he had, he came out saying World War II was an unnecessary war. Yes. Trump, Donald Trump, that same year, the year 2000, was also trying to seek the Reform Party nomination. <clears throat> At the time, Pat Buchanan was using that term, America first. Trump, as an attack on Buchanan, called Buchanan, quote, a Hitler lover. Oh, my God. So quite a flip for Donald Trump to now all of a sudden be using this term as the key slogan of his national security policy. Yeah. But again, all those efforts to work together on the environment, on the economy, on trade, on AIDS, uh, you name it, you know, on world peace, all those efforts, Donald Trump is saying, waste of time. It's just America. It's all we need is just do whatever's best for us. Screw everybody else on the planet. Uh, it's sort of like his domestic policy, which is let's take care of the wealthy people and then screw everybody else, The ninety-nine, screw the 99%. Uh, a couple of other stories here before we're joined by Adam Smith to talk money and politics. Um, Peter, we have to have an update on the uh, Palin family tragedy. Oh, oh my God. We told you, uh, Peter reported yesterday uh, about track, son, track, Palin. Uh, getting arrested and charged with a burglary and um, domestic abuse. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't know what the details were oh, yesterday. The well, uh, we do now have the details. I'll read directly from CNN. Uh, quote, the incident happened at the Palin home in Wasilla, Alaska. Sarah's home. Where Track Palin bloodied his father, Todd, in a dispute over a truck. The 28-year-old track was arrested on three charges, including assault. After the incident, the dispute began when he called to say he wanted to come get his truck, and the father refused. Yeah. So what I read is uh, track shows up. Todd is pointing a gun at his son out the window. Track breaks the window, climbs through the window, tackles his father, throws him to the ground, beats him repeatedly in the head while Sarah Palin is calling 911. God, what a mess! You know, I saw this a lot of. Is. Oh man, I saw a lot of armchair critics Uh-oh. yesterday coming after liberals and leftists, as they called us. 
for making light of this story. And certainly mm-hmm. this is a family dispute, and it's sad on, on a certain level, right? Yeah, it but it's like not the real first problem. time with this. But, but it's not even just that. It's that if this was Malia or Sasha Obama, Can you it would imagine? be even bigger. It would. I mean, it, yeah. They, yeah. they'd call for both of them to be yeah. put in jail for life. Listen, yeah. listen to this paragraph. Track Palin called the officers on the scenes on the scene peasants. Yes, yeah. And told them to abandon their weapons when they attempted to communicate with him. At one point, he got onto the roof of the garage yeah. before yeah. eventually being detained. <laughs> blue yeah. lives matter, baby. Yeah, yeah, right. Jeez, support our boys in blue. Oh man, there it is. Uh, the Palin family, and my favorite story of the day is it has yes been reported. Uh, I think ABC is the one who broke the story. Uh, that from 2005 to 2007, I think it was, I want to get the years right, 2007 to 2012, the Pentagon admits it was spending $22 million a year tracking UFOs. This program, they called it the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. Advanced Aviation is is the word for the you know UFOs. I used to think we were just never gonna find out like mm-hmm. what the government has been up to this whole time I, I think we're I think we're about to find out like if anybody is bad enough at keeping that secret it's Donald Trump now the Pentagon will not deny that the program still exists yeah all we know is we have we have a records from two thousand seven to two thousand twelve twenty two million dollars a year now get this mm, you think this uh, may be all of a joke during that time. They investigated over 12,000 UFO sightings, right? Guess what? 700 of them still remain unidentified. That was my biggest takeaway. There was some stuff in there that was like... What's going on? Right. Now, you know who started this program? No, I don't actually. Harry Reid. Former Majority Leader Harry Reid from Nevada. Well, yeah, his, Wait, those are his constituents. Area uh, 51. What, Ross? What's it? Roswell, New Roswell. Mexico. Yeah. Oh, that's New Mexico. That's right. Anyhow. But Area 51 okay. is is uh, in Nevada. In Nevada. Well, apparently, Harry Reid has been always intrigued by, fascinated by um, UFOs and extraterrestrial life. Extraterrestrial life. He's convinced that it exists. And uh, he was Senate Majority Leader. Uh, and he inserted, with that power that he had, this program into the Pentagon's budget, and the Pentagon had to take it and do it. And by the way, you throw them money, hell, right? They'll do anything. Right? They'll do it willingly. <laughs> and and they, so they 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 adopted the program. Uh, Harry Reid told the New York Times back then at the time, "quote The truth is out there. Yeah. Seriously." Yeah. Seriously, the truth is out there, and we're going to find it. That's what you've been watching too many X X Files reruns. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that seven hundred of them are still unsolved. Yeah, right. Hmm. I mean, like I but, said, I, Donald Trump seems like the kind of guy who would spill the beans on this program. Uh, and what we found and what actually exists in Area 51. I, I think Donald Trump is the kind of guy who would love this program. I think it's more of a Seb Gorka uh, <laughs> topic. But, yeah, that's right. It is. It'll reach Trump. All right. Yep, a year later, have we done anything about the money in uh, politics? Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders says that's a big issue for Donald Trump. We'll find out from Adam Smith, director of Every Voice, joining us next. 
It gives massive tax breaks to corporations that are flush. They're flush with billions and billions of dollars. And who's going to pay for that? People who live in states that voted against Donald Trump. That's not fair. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On this Tuesday, December 19, hello everybody. Welcome to the program, The Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Uh, we're tackling all the big stories of the day uh, from our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. Put them all together. Those five unions, you get uh, the smart union. Good men and women of the smart union under President Joseph Sellers giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. And you find out more information by going to their website at smart-union.org. Joining us in studio, the director of the great organization, Every Voice, fighting to get the big money out of politics uh, and to... uh, Restore some faith in the political system. (laughs) Adam Smith. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Good to be back. Nice to see you. Happy holidays. Welcome. Uh, We've been at it for a little while, as you know. Yeah. Uh, Stirring up uh, a little response here on the Twitter line uh, and on our chat room. Jamie? Yeah, let's start on tracking that. Yeah, let's start on Twitter. uh, Twitter at BP Show. That's where you can find us and tweet at us. Yesterday, uh, during the show, we put up a poll, pretty simple, straight to, uh, straightforward to the point. Will Donald Trump try to fire Robert Mueller? Uh, final results of that poll are are just in. The poll just ended. All right. It's a 24-hour period there. 79% of you say yes, Donald Trump will try to fire Robert Mueller, and 21% of you say no. Uh, Gene adding that, uh, I'm assuming that she voted yes, that will be the nail in his coffin, uh, referring to Donald Trump. Right. Uh, Can I just add? Yeah, of course. You know, I I think he might try it, but I think... Of course he's going to try it. But I think the first thing they're trying to do is to totally discredit him Mm -hmm. uh, so that when any more indictments come or the trials come, that there'll be this cloud of a smear over him. That's That's what they're trying to do. agree with that. If that that fails, they'll try to fire him. I agree with that. A comment on the uh, tax bill. Trabian Beauty at Trabian Beauty on Twitter <laughs> pointing at us. I would like to point out that there are wealthy Democrats who will make money on the tax cut bill, but they have integrity and are still voting no. That's what a I was real American say, there are wealthy does. Democrats are voting no. It's yep. a very good, good point. point. Good point. Uh, let's check into the chat room on YouTube. YouTube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. YouTube chat room is loving the UFO talk, Bill. They mm. have a couple of comments. Uh, Volstag 57 says, The UFO information is another attempt at a huge smokescreen to take attention from the awful theft that the Republicans are committing. Perhaps. Gerald says, This UFO thing makes my 20 years of listening to UFO radio worthwhile. <laughs> I feel like the Venn diagram between chat room users and UFO yes. believers is a circle. Yes, 100%. So, that's correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, keep the comments coming on Twitter at BP Show or in the YouTube chat room, <laughs> youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show, where there's plenty of UFO talk. If only we were on in the early hours of the morning. 
Yeah, know, right. I mean, like overnight. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Then we could do just the Art two Bell hours. Yeah, we could do two hours of UFO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Adam, we are almost. We're closing in on the first year of the Trump uh, yeah. uh, presidency. Believe it or not, we survived 2017. <laughs> uh, almost. Um, so, how much progress have we made? in getting money out of politics. <laughs> you know, um, what a year it's been. What a no. year it has been. Um, yeah, right. It, uh, you know, I, I'm going to let you in on something, is that, you know, Trump spent the entire campaign saying he was going to drain the swamp. He was yeah. going to reduce the power of special interests. But, you know, he is not. You know, the, the swamp is flooding. Like, I have to wear my waders every day to get through it. Um and every like it seems like every day there's some new scandal, some new whether it's ethics scandal, uh, money and politics scandal, just general abuse of like government resources or personal gain. Um, this year he has shown that that sort of drain the swamp pledge was was complete uh, BS. Yeah. Well, so uh, last week this kind of came up again because uh, the president got into this tiff with Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, yeah. who dared suggest that he should be treated equally when it comes to sexual harassment charges that if uh, an Al Franken should have to resign because of it or a John Kanye yeah. would resign because of it, then Donald Trump, who is accused of doing worse, who bragged about doing yeah. worse, should also have to resign. So he puts out this tweet uh, about Kirsten Gillibrand, Peter. Lightweight Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, a total flunky for Chuck Schumer and someone who had come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago, parentheses, and would do anything for them, mm-hmm. is now in the ring fighting against Trump. <laughs> Very disloyal to Bill and Crooked. Used! All capital letters. Uh, right. So Sometimes. we asked, uh, so this seemed very much like a sexual innuendo. Yeah. Basically, she's a whore, right? right? She'd sell herself for a yeah. $1,000 contribution, uh, her body. Uh, and we asked Sarah Huckabee Sanders at the White House about this. Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, oh, you'd have to have your mind in the gutter to think that all Donald Trump was talking about was corrupt, how money yeah. corrupts politics and how we have to clean up the system. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he and Donald Trump has shown that the money in politics has corrupted him through this past year. I mean, how many members of his cabinet were donors? Right. You have like Steve Mnuchin, who is his finance chair. You have Betsy DeVos, whose family gave millions to the Republican National Committee. Uh, Wilbur Ross was a donor. Um, uh, Lyndon McMahon was the biggest donor to Trump's foundation. Right. If I remember, foundation donors are problematic. If I remember the 2016 campaign. Yes. And so there's all of that. There's like, you know. He had these private meetings with Sheldon Adelson after saying that Marco Rubio was going to be a puppet of Sheldon Adelson, right? He had private meetings with the Kochs. My, uh, Vice President Pence had has these regular meetings of donors at the Vice Presidential Residence, residence at the Observatory Circle. Like, um, he has become everything he criticized on the campaign trail. And so to Sarah Huckabee Sanders to stand up there and say stuff like that while Trump has done all these things without offering any sort of reform policies. It's just, it's it's, it's no. hard to believe. I mean, he's not, he's not spoken about campaign re- no. finance reform. No. He's done nothing about it. And as you say, in fact, anything he's done is in the exact opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here we are, the ha- House and Senate about to ram through this tax bill that Republicans themselves have admitted is about pleasing campaign donors. Trump's family could make a billion dollars off of it on the estate tax repeal. And um, that's the that's the real corruption. Um, I mean, I 
those 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 uh, members of Congress who went to Donald Trump's office to take money, like they knew all along he was bad. Uh, that does show sort of the problem with our system is you have to go take money from these bad people because you need the money. But he has no room to talk. No, it really it really does. I mean, he was so here he is the big. <coughs> Pardon me. Maybe phony, but still big real estate tycoon in yeah. New York. Yeah. And if you're running for office in New York, you know, you'd have to beat your path to Donald Trump's door. Yeah. Hold your nose and go in and That's ask right. him for money. That's right. And from what we hear, he threw money around yeah. mainly to Democrats. That's right. right. Because, of course, they most of the elected officials in New York were Democrats. But elected officials under this present system. They have to do that in Nashville. They have to do it in L.A. They have to do it in Detroit, yeah. wherever they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, for Mitch McConnell, That's what's wrong with the system. Exactly right. I mean, 2014, <laughs> Mitch McConnell went to New York to do a private meeting with, with Trump, got a maxed out donation, and then Trump gave $50,000 to pro McConnell Super PAC, right? Like, um, all these people are doing this, and it, yeah, it does speak to the problems of the system. It also speaks to how hard it is once you're in it to like uh, get out of it, right? Uh, Trump said all these things, but then he became just a creature of the system because it does, um, I don't, people don't, I generally feel people don't go into politics to be corrupt, but the system is corrupting. Yeah, right. Uh, so we, you were here um, a year ago, Yeah. at least, before Donald Trump became president, uh, meaning took the oath of office. I mean. Yep. Uh, and told us that the moment he took the oath of office, he would be in violation of the law. That's right. And he was. And he is. Yes. Yeah. No, he started the year uh, by not divesting uh, from his many businesses. And um, so he's uh, taking um, – he's profiting from foreign governments, which is, violates the const the Constitution's um, foreign bribery clause. How's he doing that? Um, so that's uh, called it's the emoluments clause, which basically means um, uh, the president, uh, government officials cannot take gifts from foreign governments. Um, it was put in place by our founders because they knew a thing or two about foreign involvement in, um, in our government. And so his um, hotel um, receives, uh, you know, uh, several embassies and governments have held events at his hotel in D.C. since he was sworn in. Um, he has properties all over the world that receive money from foreign governments. So he's in violation of that clause by profiting from that. And there are ongoing lawsuits about it. Um, there's the um, domestic emoluments clause, which says that um, the president, foreign uh, government officials cannot take money from the government outside of their government salary. Um, and you know the you know all the profiting is doing off the presidency. Um, the the taxes, the the DC government spending money at his hotel, all, the, all that sort of stuff is in violation of that. And um, so he's doing all that stuff. And was well, anything being done about that? I mean, it's pretty blatant. It's sort of in your face. I mean, yeah. the Trump Hotel right down here. You're right. Uh, it's it's the word is out, the word is out. They're putting the word out yeah. that if you really want to butter up to Donald Absolutely. Trump, when your people come here from another country, your your, your ambassadors or whatever, mm -hmm. they stay there yeah. or your representatives. Yeah. They stay at the Trump Hotel. They hold events at the Trump Hotel. Foreign embassies are holding their receptions at the Trump Hotel. Yeah. Right. And or and then he goes to Mar-a-Lago. I mean, <coughs> remember they doubled the entrance fee to Mar-a-Lago. That's right. Uh, and uh, there's yeah, a Mar-a-Lago member that got an ambassadorship appointment, right? <laughs> yeah, right. 
Yeah. And so he's using his properties <laughs> and his visits. He doesn't yeah. go anywhere else. Sterling, Virginia, um, but the one up in New Jersey, Bedminster, Bedminster, yeah. and Mar-a-Lago. And imagine the business of just knowing the president. The people come there, even if they go just to have a meal, just yeah. to say, I had a meal there. Yeah, right? there's this article a couple uh, earlier, I think in the spring, about Bedminster, and there was a brochure that they put out, marketing brochure, yes. that mentioned the president may attend your party. And so when asked how they said, oh, we've discontinued that brochure. Because it was clearly marketing for that. Yeah, so he just might drop in. Yeah. And, a, yeah. and bigger than the so sort of- So schedule your wedding reception yeah. here. And I think bigger than the, con- the constitutional challenges, which are pretty big, is the sort of everyday corruption that, you know, all these trade associations that have events at his hotel, you know, this pro-Trump super PAC created by Trump allies had a holiday party at Trump's D.C. hotel and Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner went to it. Right. There's like sort of this corruption. Everybody's spending all this money at his hotel. And, you know, he spent, I think, a third of his. Of the days he one third of the days he's been present, he has been to a Trump property, whether that's Mar-a-Lago, the <laughs> golf club in Jupiter, Bedminster, you know, and that means one free advertising for all those properties. Sure, it's you know the Secret Service running golf cart golf carts, and who knows what other fu- government funds are being spent there, and um, it's just uh, so what's it's real being, corruption. Is anything, uh, so my question sure. is anything being done about? So it? there are there are a handful of lawsuits on the emoluments front that have been <clears> going through. The process. I think um, the right now they're sort of waiting to see if they can get through to the discovery phase of the can we get his tax returns sort of phase. So things are still ongoing. It did lead to this sort of extraordinary document from the Department of Justice defending uh, Trump and saying no, the president should be allowed to take money from foreign governments as president, which is really wild to me to see government entities saying the president should be able to take. Profit from the government. From well, the to violate the Constitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that that thing sort of uh, misread historic uh, <laughs> facts about the case. So those lawsuits are ongoing. I don't know when the next update is on that. Um, uh, and then there's still there's like lawsuits around visitor logs too. You know, the White House refused to release only the White House visitor logs, but Mar-a-Lago visitor logs. I know um, our friends at Crew are fighting lawsuits over that. So there's lots of FOIAs, lawsuits, all that sort of stuff to bring a little bit more transparency to this right. White House. And you really, uh, I know we, we just touched on this, but you really do see, uh, I believe, um, this <laughs> this. This everyday game here in Washington of lining your own pockets in yeah. this tax cut bill. Absolutely. I mean, because everybody, like Ron Johnson, says, "I can't vote for this because uh, because of these high principles," and then they give him some uh, more money in the pass through thing, which right? He is and then, yeah. and then he's a happy man, so he says, "I'll vote for it." Bob Corker, I can't vote for this; it adds to the deficit. They throw him some more money. They're calling it the Corker kickback, yep. right, for commercial real estate. Now Bob Corker is for this bill, yeah. right? Susan Collins, God knows what she's going to get. I'm not sure it's money, but some phony promise that they'll pass a bill That's of right. hers next year. That's right. But but for the, for the others, it's just Marco Rubio. You know, I mean, it's just money, 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 yeah. money. I mean, I mean, one of the things um, is I was reading something about how so the donor class is really aligned with members of Congress here because they're all really wealthy, right? Half yeah. of members yes. of Congress are millionaires. No, and no. so it's People hard to this, write these Republican senators yeah. are that's the millionaires class. Yeah, it's hard to write a bill these days if it's going to overwhelmingly benefit wealthy. They won't also benefit these members of Congress. Um, and Corker is in this funny position where he said, "I support this bill." 
uh, news reports came out that he would benefit from it. And he said, no, I didn't read the bill before I supported it. So Whoops. it was like this self-own of saying, no, God. I don't read the bills I support because I am not getting – it's not corrupt, which is like <laughs> both look really bad for him. Anybody who believes that – I mean, it, how could anybody believe – that Bob Corker and Orrin Hatch didn't make a deal. Yeah, absolutely. Say, you know. And I've been, so I've been, I've been reading, you know, I read a lot of news about money and politics. I sort of, and what's been really interesting to me, yeah, is how much this sort of uh, donor stuff has broken through out in the country. Like I read this letter to the editor the other day in, uh, was it North Dakota? Where's John Thune from? Is he North Dakota, South Dakota? Uh, I think South Dakota. South Dakota. And there was this I letter think. to the editor in South Dakota hitting John Thune for doing the work of his donors and supporting the tax bill. Like you had, I've counted over 100 letters to the editor since the Senate bill passed of people specifically tying the tax bill to donors. And it's been really interesting to me how much that has broken through. Well, it helps that members themselves have been saying that. Yeah. Uh, but well, people see this for what it is. You're right. I forget who it was. You alluded Chris to this Collins. earlier. Chris Lindsay Collins, Graham, who yeah. says, we need to pass this bill because our donors... Uh, expect it and demand yeah. it. And yes. if we don't, our donors aren't going to give us any more money. I appreciate the honesty, honestly. I, I wish they would be more honest about this stuff. Yeah, that's why they're doing it. Yeah. They're doing yeah. it to please their wealthy donors. But, like, that's always kind of been the game. It, yeah, it has been. They just don't admit it. They just, they, yeah, they just, they just <laughs> complete, they're saying the quiet part's loud now. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's partly the process has been so uh, anti-transparent this tax bill that makes it look worse, right? If there had been hearings, if this real estate provision had been added in and Orrin Hatch had debated it in Senate Finance Committee instead yeah. of at 5.30 on a Friday to flip Corker's vote, it may not look as, as devious, but yeah. it looks that bad because the process has been so so dark and so um, like opposed to any sort of accountability. So you, you mentioned uh, already the ways that Donald Trump is profiting yeah. from being president of the United States. Um after this bill is passed, I mean, even all the more so because, like, uh, let's say getting rid of the estate tax, right? Yep. I mean. It's a windfall for Jared and Ivanka. Jared no. and Ivanka and Donald Jr., yep. all of them, right? Plus, uh, I saw one list of the members of his cabinet. You met Gary Mnuchin, Gary Cohn. Um, I mean, Steve Mnuchin, Gary Cohn, Linda Wilbur McMahon, Ross. Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos, all of them, yep. right? It's a Trump cabinet yeah. provision. Yep. Getting rid right. of the estate tax and the Trump family. And then with the pass-through, the so-called pass-through, which Rob Johnson points out, they just made it even more generous. They knocked another 20 percent off for the yeah. pass-through. People have pass-through companies. Donald Trump, I mentioned this in the last half hour, has 500 pass-through companies. Yeah. 500. Mm -hmm. All of his companies are designed so they don't pay corporate taxes. It, it's passed through, and they pay a lower personal tax, and now even that's yeah. cut twenty percent. And he he didn't divest from from his. He and still owns yes, all those, so yes, he will personally right. make a profit off this bill. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, man, I tell you. So, is there any good news? Oh yeah. Year? Okay. So I know that I always come here. You guys always have me come in and talk about all the bad stuff. True. But I am hopeful for a lot of reasons. But I want to talk about one thing in particular. So I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but. Um, uh, back in 2015, um, voters in Seattle approved this uh, initiative called Democracy Vouchers, which is basically sort of a, a public financing program for elections. Uh, and at the beginning of this year, every voter in Seattle received four $25 vouchers. Those are small donations that they can then give to candidates for city elections. And so this year is the first year the vouchers program is in effect. Wait. So can uh, the question. Though, yeah. Can. Candidates raise money from other sources? Yeah. So, I mean, yes. Oh, okay. So how it works is um, there's two sides to it. There's the candidates receiving the vouchers. And then 
for three races this year, two city council races, a city attorney, candidates could apply to participate in this program, which means they had to agree to strict contribution limits. Oh. So they couldn't take more than, I think, $250 um, uh, from other people outside the voucher money. Yeah, okay. So you had... Um, so basically you have so you basically turn every voter into a donor yeah. it is a really innovative public financing program because public financing programs have existed for years they're in lots of different places yeah. this is a really new way to do it and so they um, gave every voter a hundred dollars basically yeah but they could only give them to candidates who agreed to contribution limits yeah so it's <laughs> they, they couldn't give them to just anybody yeah um and so in these three races where it was available uh, at the general election, five of the six candidates participated in the program. And so you had a labor activist. You had an affordable housing activist. Um, and the winner, uh, all three winners participated in the program. So you have these people going to the city council who took no money from wealthy developers in Seattle or from tech moguls or from lobbyists. They only took these small donations. And what's really important- That's dangerous because they could vote for the people. Exactly right. <laughs> and what's and what's really important is who gave those vouchers. So there's uh, the Seattle Ethics Commission keeps really good data on the voucher users that has to be submitted. And so we cross- crossed it with the voter file wow. and um, so uh, like something like 84% of the voucher users are people who had not given to previous elections. Um, they were new donors, uh, like thousands of more donors than usually give to elections. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are uh, more women, more women. I think over half of the voucher users were women, which if you know anything about money in politics, that's not how donations work. Women do not give at high yeah, amounts yeah. as men. Um, they were more, they were younger donors. Um, they were people of color. So basically it created a donor pool more reflective of the city's diversity, which was the entire point of this system, right? We want politicians to re reflect the people and for them to take money from people who reflect them. And so it's this really exciting program uh, that worked. And um, it'll expand to the mayor's race in future elections. And um, we're just really excited about it because I think people get really cynical. They see what's happening in Washington. They get cynical of these big money systems. But what you're seeing is people coming together outside Washington um, to come up with something new. You know, last week, the Washington, D.C. City Council, actually a, a committee passed a matching fund program heads to the full council now, and you could see public financing matching program in Washington, D.C. for city council races soon. Um, Montgomery County, Maryland is implementing its new system, matching fund system. Howard County passed one last year. Uh, Portland, Oregon passed one uh, in last December. Um, the, you know, there are these pockets here and there of people saying, now we can fight back against money. And, um, you know, how it's, much, it's how really much did it cost the city? The Seattle program? Um, I think it was probably a couple million, uh, not that much. They actually, it was more successful than people expected. Mm -hmm. So it's a couple million dollars, but the Seattle program was funded on a slight, a small increase in property taxes, uh -huh. which if you know anything about ballot initiatives, that voters actually approved a property tax increase oh, yeah. to pay for this and That's shows tough. how much they want. That's it. tough to get passed. Yeah. So yeah. But it's, it's also just a small, small portion of the city's budget. And I think it's worth the price for a more like ethical, accountable government. So did anybody um, who bucked the system yeah. win? All yes in Seattle all no bucked oh, it who oh, opposed it no uh, were there any was there any candidate who said I'm going to do it the old fashioned way yeah. and I'm just going to raise absolutely in the primary money? there were there was absolute in the one of the primary for one of the council races they got lots of like outside money 
um, mm-hmm. and uh, like money from the business community, yeah. and they lost. And they lost. Yeah, huh. and then in the because not, so not participating in the program became a liability. Yeah, I think it does raise questions about what you're trying to do. <laughs> if if you're not if you can participate in this program and you choose not to, why is that? And well, why yeah, is well, the, right. Why exactly. is the local chambers spending ads to get you elected instead of you going out and, and collecting these twenty five dollar vouchers? Sure, um, it, and taint, it taints you. By sure, saying, no. sure. I'm going to do it the Sheldon Adelson way. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's great. It'd That's be good. That's kind of nuts. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you um you can go to uh, there's if you want to see that full report, the easiest way to do is go to honestelectionsseattle.org. And that report that I'm talking about, we released with WinWin Network that looks at the who these voucher users are. Uh, I had a friend of mine recently call me. He's running for, his name is Mark Leno, state senator, California. Yep. He's running for mayor, a uh, great guy, running for mayor of San Francisco. Called me not too long ago, and I said, congratulations, it's so exciting. I've known him a long time. And they said, yeah, but, you know, I've got to raise some money. The limit is $500. So, I mean, when you put a limit, 250 or 500 yeah. it does force you to really yeah, reach out. Now, they don't have the voucher program. All I'm yeah, saying yeah. is I think the limit helps, too. Yeah, Adam, great news. It's nice to end the year <laughs> on a bit of good news. Thanks so much for yeah, coming thanks in. thanks for having me. Alex Bolton from The Hill, coming up this next. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Bob Corker says, yes, I'm a yes vote after all. Every senator has his price. And they met it for Bob Corker. What do you say, folks? Great to see you Tuesday, December 19. It is the Bill Press Show. It's good to have you with us all across this great land of ours. We're there with you online, on the radio, on television, with all the news of the day. Uh, And it's a busy news day from the train derailment out in... uh, Uh, in Washington state to the president of the United States with a new national security strategy for this country. He's calling it America First. Uh, With the Congress back and gearing up for the big vote on its tax cut bill and uh, an attempt to keep the government running uh, over the Christmas holidays, at least, into the beginning of the new year. To help us sort through it all, Alex Bolton joins us, um, covers the Senate, particularly for The Hill, great newspaper, here covering uh, doings on Capitol Hill, both at Capitol Hill and at the White House. Alex, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Welcome back in. Thank you, you, thank you. You you wore your Senate ID today. Do do you think we wouldn't (laughs) let you in without uh, (laughs) that? You know, know, ever since that protest uh, in October where that, uh, you know, Ryan Clayton through the the Trump flags, oh. sorry, through the Russian flags with Trump's name emblazoned oh, yeah. at the president, they've been really militant with the security up there. They're grabbing your ID every two minutes. I mean, it's on right? Tuesdays the Senate's in lockdown. I mean, it's it's a real 
It's huh. like a it's like a militarized zone up there. It's now. always been like an armed camp, but it but even since, more so, huh? Since the confrontation between the protester and the president in October, it was October twenty fourth. He threw he threw these yeah. Russian flags at Trump as he was walking, uh, you know, from the Republican lunch, and they, they're just they've they've really gone berserk with the security up there since. Okay. Well, you can feel comfortable here. We have a lot of security <laughs> for you as well. Uh, so we'll get into all of it and, and look forward to hearing from you. Your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Alex and I will get right into it with Peter. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. You've heard this a few times this year. No collusion. No collusion. Oh, no collusion. That's what Donald Trump says. Well, the Senate Intelligence Committee is looking at other campaigns besides Donald Trump's to see who could have possibly colluded with the Russians. And one of them yesterday we found out was the Jill Stein campaign. (laughs) The Jill Stein campaign. Yesterday, Richard Burr, who is in charge of this Senate Intelligence Committee, said that there are, quote, two other campaigns that we're just starting on. And he identified one of those as Jill Stein. So we didn't get a lot of details in terms of what they were looking at or what that could mean or anything like that, but that they are looking to see whether or not Jill Stein colluded with Russia to help sway the election. Just a warning here, because I saw a lot of this on Twitter last night. If you're a Democrat, particularly a Hillary Democrat, and now your your new thing is blaming Jill Stein on her election loss, please don't do that. Yeah, It's it's just a bad look. It's not a good look. They will. Yeah, of course they will. Of course they will. How about this? In Norway, they have announced they are set to decriminalize all illicit drugs. Marijuana, cocaine, heroin will all be decriminalized under this new plan. It's similar to a system that was put into place in Portugal. Basically, what they're saying is if you have a small amount or a small quantity of drugs, they send you directly into treatment options instead of putting you into mm-hmm. you know, going through criminal prosecution and all like that. They Makes say sense. that... Uh, that's going to save a lot of money with the prison system and also get people the help that they need. And yesterday we played, again, the clip of Matthew Peterson, one of the Donald Trump judges that was nominated, who couldn't answer a single question about how courts work. Well, yesterday he said he is withdrawing. (laughs) He is not going to be pursuing this, uh, this, this, uh, being a judge here uh, for, for Donald Trump on the U.S. District Court. Um, he is the. Do we have, do we have time to? We don't have time to play the audio, unfortunately. But he couldn't answer a single question that John Kennedy from Louisiana asked him. Vetted by the Trump White House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. On TV and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Tuesday, December 19. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the program, the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C. with all the news of the day. Look forward to hearing from you. Uh, so what it all means, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We're live in our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., joining you online, coast to coast, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Also nationwide on Free Speech TV and on the great uh, WCPT out in the Chicago area. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, good to see you. And uh, join me in welcoming uh, to the program Alex Bolton, 
who covers Congress for The Hill, thehill.com. Alex, always good to see you. Welcome. So um, where do we start? I wanna, we'll talk about the tax cut bill and the government shutdown, but um, the White House has proven, uh, has a little bit of an egg on its face when it comes to judicial nominees, right? First of all, they've also, this is sort of an untold story, isn't it, that one thing that the Trump administration has been able to do is get a good number of judges confirmed, mm-hmm. lifetime confirmation. Right. But right. a few of them have proved to be a little embarrassing. Well, I mean, you know, the you, you had this, you know, Pat Peterson who just with, withdrew, and he had kind of an embarrassing moment uh, at his uh, at his hearing where when J- John Kennedy, uh, the Republican from Louisiana, asked him, you know, had he ever uh, you know brought any trial to verdict, and he hadn't, and that was kind of an odd thing for someone who was going to be a judge and presiding over trials, right? So right. You know, he withdrew. I mean, you know. Th- but on the other hand, I think if you look at, I mean, I think the news here is that the you know the Senate's confirmed, you know, twelve Circuit Court judges this year, and it's the most in a president's first year in office since the creation of Circuit Courts. So, yeah, you know, right. one way or the other, you know, regardless of the qualifications, I mean, these people are going to be shaping the federal judiciary for decades to come. For for decades, yeah. And, but, yeah, go on. and just, just the other point I want to yeah, make is that sure. you know there's some there's some argument over you know well who determines you know what. Who's qualified, or what? What? What is? What it is to be a qualified judge? American Bar Association traditionally has, you know, mm-hmm. uh, had the stamp of approval. They rate someone qualified, well qualified, not qualified. Well, Republicans are now making the argument that you know this. The, the Bar Association is a, a Democratic leaning organization because it's made up of lawyers. So you know maybe they're, they're not the ones who should be you know inspecting the the goods. Uh, yeah, they've said that many times before. <laughs> also about the ABA. Uh, particularly when when they may not rate a Republican nominee as qualified. But Senator Kennedy, who's from Louisiana, and so is Matthew Peterson, uh, the candidate. Uh-huh. For, uh, so you would think that as his home senator, he would actually be helping him. I don't, I don't know whether he went out to deliberately, I don't think, hurt him by asking these questions. But Senator Kennedy was on a talk radio show in Louisiana yesterday where uh, – he, he talked a little bit more about uh, his reaction and what happened. Number one, the president called me day before yesterday. Uh, he doesn't interview these guys. He has his staff do it. And he said, Kennedy, I think you're right. <laughs> Number two, uh, Mr. Peterson's a really smart guy. I read his background check by the FBI, and he's a decent guy. But just because but just you've seen my cousin Vinny doesn't qualify you to be a federal judge. <laughs> and and he has no litigation experience. So how does somebody like that get through? And I think there were two others that also withdrew for different reasons. You know, honestly, I don't I don't know. I mean, I th- you know, yeah. obviously someone recommended him and and you know, the guy had a clean yeah. criminal, criminal record and so, you know, <laughs> But let me let me just point out, you know, you, you don't need to be uh, a, a, a judge or a trial lawyer to to be appointed mm-hmm. these positions. And the Supreme Court in particular, I mean, you've had, you know, yeah. people appointed there who haven't had extensive you know trial experience. And, you know, one of the arguments, actually, that the Democrats make is that, you know, we need to get outside the uh, the legal ivory tower when we're appointing some of these judges, you know, people mm-hmm. with you yeah. know, everyday experience. So just because you don't have experience, you know, in trial law doesn't mean you're not qualified to be a judge. Um, but I'm not sure whether, you know, 
you know, Peterson is the guy who has some, some of that everyday experience that Democrats are talking about when they're talking about. You're absolutely right, and, and, and that is why um, I still uh, am. Ho- I have faith that someday I'm going to be named to the Supreme Court. <laughs> I'll sum it up the way that Alex. <laughs> Even though, <laughs> I'll sum it up the way that Alex can't sum it up. All you have to be is white and male. That's it. Well, that yeah, that that does help uh, certainly with the with the Supreme Court. So, uh, in the late, we've seen Joe Manchin yesterday was um, on uh, one of the morning shows. I forget New Day with New Day, yeah, um, and um, was asked about uh, Al Franken. Uh huh. I definitely think he should not resign. I think he should submit himself, which he has willingly done and offered to do, and go through this complete process of an extensive. Uh, ethics review, and whatever the outcome is, I will live with it. I can live with that. And yeah. I say, Al, I'm sorry. You have faults that you maybe never rec- rec- recognize, and these ladies uh, have basically brought those yeah. forward. So, uh, is this a little movement to get Al Franken to change his mind, and do you think he will? I think it's a movement of one at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, you know, Manchin is, is friends with Franken, and, you know, I think he's saying this out of friendship, and of course, you know, in in West Virginia, you know, it's it's not bad politics either to kind of stand up against what um, you know. I think maybe some of Manchin's constituency is an overreaction. Um, you know, the but I will say this from having reported on the story. I mean, you know, a lot there was a lot of political consideration in ousting Franken, and at the time, you know, there, it looked like Roy Moore was going to elect to the Senate, and you know, Democrats wanted to make the 2018 election about Roy Moore and Donald Trump, and you know, revving up younger voters and women voters. With the with the sexual harassment issue and having you know Franken in their ranks really was a was a political problem and mm-hmm. so I think you know that's that's a, a big reason why he was ousted um, even though you know initially Democrats wanted to go with the uh, you know Senate into I'm sorry the Senate Ethics Committee investigation to find out exactly what happened and you know Franken during his uh, resignation speech said, you know felt pretty you know he sounded pretty un- unhappy with it and he, and he sounded like he he felt he he got a raw deal out of it so I think. I think Manchin is just standing up for Franken, but I don't know why he's doing it now. Now, you know, now that Franken says he's going to resign, and, and you know, the you know the ink's pretty much dry. I don't quite understand the point of it. It would be just about impossible for Franken to that, that, re- reverse. Correct? That's the thing. Like, I, I don't see how he walks it back. I mean, it's not impossible. All he, all he would have to do is change his mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm not right, resigning. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. And you know, he was just. But, I mean, he was reelected in 2014. He has another three years to rehabilitate his image. You know, he could probably hang on, for, you know, if he if he wanted to. Yeah, but you have all these senators, Democratic senators, that came out and said he needed to resign. I mean, he would have yeah. to essentially change all of their minds because— No, no he wouldn't. I mean— Well, he's not going to get any work done if—I mean, if they, they— But, I mean, he it, could stay. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, I mean, he could stay, but, yeah. I mean, he would essentially be not getting anything done. I mean, they're, they're not going to work with him if they said he needs to resign and he sticks around. Well, I mean, you know, that—I mean, Mitch McConnell— you know, he he called him Franken resign and said he would not be an effective senator. I mean, that's the argument that he can't effectively yeah, right. represent his constituents. But on the other hand, <clears throat> you know, there have been people in that position before. Roland Burris, uh, you know, from Illinois, yeah, who replaced uh, you know right. Barack Obama, the the Rod Blagojevich appointment. I mean, he was very controversial. The Democrats didn't want to see him. I mean, he came to the Senate. You know, he served his time. I mean, he got some things done. You can still. About that, you can be, yeah. you know, the, yeah, the right. beauty of the Senate is you don't have to be popular to be effective, and you right. always have that veto vote. You know, you can always, yeah. you can always wreck things if people aren't, if people are, you know, thwarting you, you can always retaliate. So you have, you know, they don't have to necessarily work with you out of friendship; they can do it out of 
just a, you know a, accommodation or, or to avoid the headache of you retaliating. Right. Uh, so is Franken, in terms of senators uh, in trouble because of sexual harassment charges, is Franken the end of the road? You know, it's 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 really hard to t- to say that. I mean, you know, is he? We the, keep it, hearing rumors of the next one to fall. Or people are doing investigations. That other people are very nervous. Members, members, yeah. House and Senate are nervous. What do you hear? Well, I mean, I think I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a much bigger problem in the House. I mean, the rumors of you know up to you know a dozen or more lawmakers who could be facing uh, you know investigation or rep- reprimand by the Ethics Committee. I mean, there was a you know, a rumor that was floating around, you know, at the end of the week, last week or over the weekend that the, you know, Washington Post was going to, you know, launch some bombshell this week, mm-hmm. uh, you know, naming, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 lawmakers, you know, guilty or accused of sexual harassment charges. Where, where <clears throat> settlements have been paid. Yeah. And yeah. then, but, you know, I don't think that that didn't materialize. And then, you know, some chatter on staff was that it was a, you know, there was a Breitbart, you know, subterfuge that, you know, so it's, <laughs> It's really hard to know with all these rumors going, you know, back and forth. But I mean, the <clears> fact <throat> of the matter is, you just look across industries, and there's a lot of stuff popping out, yeah. you know, from years yeah. ago. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to imagine that, you know, Franken's the only guy there. But on the other hand, you know, if you do come out and point the fingers against, you know, your ex-boss or your current boss, you know, th- you're going to have some problems working in politics in the future. Right. I mean, it's just unfortunately, <laughs> but that's that's that was the case of the you know communications director for Blake Farenthold, who you know. Finally came out and talked about you know her blackballing and you know eventually you know, he now he says he's not going to run for re-election but you know she she was afraid to talk about it for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's even hit the sports world with Jerry uh, Jerry Richardson amending yeah, yeah, right, selling a team and 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 walking away. All right, so the tax cut, um, boy, they've done they've given about away about all the goodies that they can to Republican senators, right? I mean, John McCain's out of town. Uh, is that Cochran back in town? I don't even. Yeah, Cochran was back yesterday. I was saw he? him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he was. Right. He voted yesterday, so he'll be there. So they'll. I mean, they're short one, but they still have fifty-one votes. It looks like all fifty-one are going to vote for the bill. And the vote will be. Is it scheduled yet? No, not scheduled. I think you know. I think the plan is for the House to vote on it this afternoon, and then I think the Senate could vote on it tonight or early tomorrow morning, depending on you know how late things go tonight. But I I, I would anticipate a late night tonight tonight in the Senate to vote. I mean, they, they've been saying since last week that they were going to get this bill done today. So that's my expectation. Right. Um, the uh, CNN out with a poll this morning that 66% of Americans say they don't like this bill. It favors the, the wealthy. Of, of, and so Republicans really think this is a political plus? Or, or do they just feel they just have to do it? I mean, what's the what's the rationale here? Well, they feel they have to do it, and they feel they need a win. They need an accomplishment. It's been a very unproductive year. I mean, they spent all year on the Obamacare repeal replace, and that failed. And so they just don't have a whole lot to show other than the Supreme Court. Neil Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch. I mean, they keep on pointing to that. And also, as I just mentioned, that you know the 12 circuit court noms, you know, that's something that, that they're yeah, talking about. But right. in terms of legislative accomplishment, it's the rhythm is the 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 the, sh- the list is is thin and the stuff they have passed is just isn't high profile at all so this is a they need to show they can get something done and that they can fulfill their campaign promises that's why this is a political imperative with their base even though it, it doesn't poll very popularly uh you know they argue you know once we can get out there and make the case and communicate it you know that the numbers will improve it's an eerily reminiscent argument of the Democrats were making in 2009 you know once people get to know what Obamacare is all mm-hmm. about, they're going to like it. And yeah, it turned out to be true. That turned out to be true with Obamacare. Well, 
It took a while. And yeah, yeah, it caused it did, a lot yeah, of yes, inflicted yeah. a lot of political damage in the meantime. So, you know, the argument that Republicans make is like you are going to see lower taxes in January because the federal withholding is going to be adjusted. So, you know, right away, you're going to see a, a little bit of a tax break next year. But, you know, the the biggest benefits go to corporations. They go to pass through entities. They go to the, to the wealthiest. I mean, if you look in terms of like they the, go to commercial real estate, they like go to Bob commercial Corker. real estate. So, you know, there could be some, you know, depending on how the middle class and the lower class do in the, you know, years coming up, we'll see what the verdict on this bill is. If the income gap continues to widen, I think there's going to be some real dissatisfaction with with the policy here. Are people really going to see the benefit? Now, the argument is that this is going to supercharge the economy. We're going to see 3-4% growth. If that happens, then I think this is a success. If growth stays mired at two percent, then I think this is not going to be a success. So I think and, the proof is in the Republican prediction. They say this is yeah. going to supercharge the economy. Well, we're going to find out. Right. And in the past, that same statement has been has been made. That same boast has been made, and it hasn't materialized. So um, I, I don't think there's any way you can expect that it's going to happen this time either. If past is prologue. What's the definition uh, of insanity? Yeah, doing right. the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Uh, the, the the two the two senators that that uh, people thought might end up not voting for this bill. Mm-hmm. We mentioned one of them, Bob yeah. Corker. Yeah. Now you've covered the Congress for yeah. a long time, so uh, the sequence of events yesterday wasn't maybe this exactly this close, but. Bob Corker says, I'm a no vote. I'm not going to add to the deficit. Then they put this 20% uh, no, extra thing there for, uh, mm-hmm. for, for, no, that was for the pastor. But anyhow, they put this No, ex- but it, it, ex- effect, it, it figured in for the uh, you know, real estate. Commercial real estate. Real estate investment trusts right. are, you know, yeah. they pass through entities. And right. so a couple things they did. Corker <clears> they, benefits from that, and then he says, I'm going to vote yes. W- one change they made is to allow trust to be, uh, to take advantage of the 20% pass okay. through deduction yeah. okay so and a lot of these real estate investment firms they you know they don't have a bunch of staff they don't have machinery they're not manufacturing anything so under the previous conception of the bill they would not have been eligible for this lower pass through rate mm-hmm. and the pass through rate is you know it's about it's an effective 29.6% rate for the you know biggest small businesses uh, and it's a, it's a straight deduction so this is a you know a, a boon to the commercial real estate industry and Corker, that's Corker's background. Right, so he Corker's. stands to make a lot of back, uh, a lot of money here. Now, I don't, I really don't believe, you know, this was done at Corker's behest. I think this was done at Donald Trump's behest. Yeah. I mean, he's the, I mean, to, to to pin this on Bob Corker is missing the story, quite frankly. You know, the president of the United States, you know, you know, his personal, he has five hundred pass through companies. Yeah, that's what this is all about. So let's not yeah. let's yeah. not drag Bob Corker into it. I mean, that's really missing the. I mean, I know I know, I know Corker kickback is a catchy slogan, but that's not really what this is about. The 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 elephant, the big elephant in the room is at yeah. 1600 Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue on this one. But you one. do have Corker who's a no. Yeah. This happens yeah. and now Corker's a yes. Yeah. Well, so, you know. I mean, it certainly makes him look bad. Well, that's if, why if, he was, if, if they, if, yeah. If they didn't do it for that reason, it certainly yeah. still makes him look bad. And the other one is Susan Collins. Yeah. It was Susan Collins. No, not going to do this, not going to do this, not going to do this. And yes, then yesterday, here she is. Uh, Jamie, let's play Sus- Susan Collins again. On the floor. I don't know. I'm reading too much into it, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think she's reading the talking points, and she doesn't believe them. Here she is. I rise to express my support for the conference agreement on the tax cuts and job act. And then she says, here's what it's going to do for the people of Maine. 
This legislation will provide tax relief to working families, families, encourage the creation of jobs right here in America, and spur economic growth that will benefit all Americans. But, yeah, I mean, that's the Republican talking point. We just said we will see whether it proves to be true. Um, but what, what, what brought her on board? Well, they've been working on her for for months, really, and <laughs> she you know, kind of just gave in. <laughs> well, you know, she got. She, I mean, she got a lot, and I think you know her her approach is that if I can you know change the legislation in a way that I want, then I'm going to play ball. I mean, that's the way it works up there. If you can get your changes, you got to vote for the bill, and she got a couple big changes. She got added to the Senate bill the ten thousand dollar deduction for state and local property taxes. Um, and, and, and that exp- and that deduction was expanded in the conference to include income as well as property taxes. So that's a win for her. She also got a promise from the president, the vice president, Mitch McConnell, to do two things. Number one, to pass legislation before the end of the year that would shore up the individual markets, the mm-hmm. Alexander Murray uh, mm-hmm. bill that essentially subsidizes yeah. insurance companies. It makes up for President right. Trump stopping these. And look me in the eye. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Before the end of the year, they're going home on Friday, they're if gonna not have, Thursday. They're going to have to pull. They're going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat to get this thing. It's to, not going to gonna happen. Well, it could. It could. It could. But I'm telling you, it's I, at this point. I'd be. You know, I, I. I. I only think it because she said she has an ironclad commitment from the leadership. But Susan. <laughs> well, okay. There, there's right. a there's a path that it could happen. But yeah, yeah. if, if uh, they just yeah. if they leave her hanging, it's, she's going to look. A little yeah. bit ridiculous. She I does. Think. I think yeah. she does already. But uh, yeah. uh, so um, I, I just wanted to play. We didn't have a chance to do this. There are, there are some other voices out there, obviously, who don't like this bill. Governor Jerry Brown from yesterday, Governor Jerry Brown uh-huh. from California, my friend uh, and governor, um, put a little video yesterday with uh, his take on this uh, tax bill. It gives massive tax breaks to corporations that are flush. They're flush with billions and billions of dollars. And who's going to pay for that? People who live in states that voted against Donald Trump. That's not fair. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you know, to the victor go the spoils. I mean, in Roman times, they'd make you a slave if you lost the election. So, you know, the election, air quotes, you know, so things have gotten a little bit better. But yeah, but it is true. I mean, the corporations are doing very, very well these days, record corporate profits. Mm -hmm. And um, and now they get. This this huge tax break, and it's reflected in the market. The market yesterday bouncing way up. Just. Well, I, and I think that's the danger for the Republicans because really what we're talking. I mean, this is going to supercharge the economy, but especially for the wealthiest and especially for people who invest in the stock market. I mean, already the stock market's up some, you know, twenty percent in, in mm-hmm. you know, twenty seventeen. Or I've lost track. It's gone up so fast. No, every day so, is a new. So you know, the thing is, is that you know, okay, you're gonna have a couple hundred, you know, extra dollars in your in your paycheck, or you're gonna get you know maybe a thousand dollar tax break next year but i think you know where there's real dissatisfaction is you know people can't afford to go to college they can't afford health care they can't afford jobs and good neighbor i'm sorry they can't afford uh, mm-hmm. houses in good neighborhoods or in cities they want to live i mean i think that's where a lot of the resentment is and i think you know those high end goods are only get more expensive because the right. top 1% 5% are have so much to benefit from you know this and that and that temporary tax break if you get one is not going to be that much and it's not going to last that long Right, because it disappears, well, and yeah, and that was the point that Ron Wyden, the you know, ranking Democrat on the Finance Committee, was making yesterday. He said, "Look, this you know the 
the the tax breaks for the middle class are written in disappearing ink. And yeah, you know, I mean the way the bill is structured, they're going to sunset, you know, mm-hmm. in year twenty twenty five. Now the you know the bet that the Republicans are making is that there's going to be so much political pressure on the Democrats, they're going to have to you know go ahead and extend those things. But you know who knows? I mean already. Medicare is under pressure. Medicaid is under pressure. Pressure. They're talking about substantial cuts to those programs. So, That's, I think the, the, what's interesting is what are the Democrats going to do in 2025? Yeah. And by the way, I meant to ask you when we we're talking about Susan Collins. But the other thing that Susan Collins didn't like is that getting rid of the individual mandate from Obamacare is in the bill. It's still in the bill, isn't still it? Still in the bill. Yeah. 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 Still in the and bill. And the CBO says that 13 million Americans are going to lose their health insurance because of that. Right. And premiums are going to go up 10 percent. Right. Now, so there's another thing that people are going to realize. Oh, holy, sh- whatever! Uh, <laughs> I lost my uh, health care. Okay, but let me just explain Collins's position. You know what she you know, now. Lamar Alexander, the chairman of the health committee, and he believes the premiums are net net are going to go down because you're going to have this Alexander Murray, which is you know subsidies to oh, insurance companies. Oh, that bill that they're going to pass between now and the end <laughs> of the year. That one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also the other They're thing is all smoking dope over there. <laughs> well, then Collins also has legislation with Bill Nelson of, of uh, <laughs> Florida that would set up these high risk pools that would also, you know, supposedly, you know, bring mm-hmm. down insurance premiums. But, you know, it seems, you know, it, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, there, there could be a lot of angry people in a couple of years. So that's why I think some people are nervous about voting for this bill in the House. Uh, in the, really? Yeah, yeah. I talked to Scott Wong. I don't know if you ever have him on here, but he comes yes, to the House, yes, he comes to the house yes. for us. And That's, I asked him what's going to happen. He said, well, I think there are going to be more defections this time around than the first time around. You know, 13 Republicans voted against the tax bill the first time right. it passed the House. I asked him why. He said, well, it's, you know, people are getting nervous about the polling. And already the Democrats have a big advantage on the generic ballot. So this could be, you know, this could be 2008 all over yeah. again come mm-hmm. next November. Right. My mantra is they're going to rue the day that they pass this thing. But one final thing. So they've got to get this done, vote uh, later today, maybe, and then tomorrow, and then they'll have a big cer- ceremony, you know, at the White House. I mean, they're already planning that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then they leave town and the government shuts down, or do they keep it running before they leave town? No, I think they keep it running. But look, I think this... But the Democrats want the Dreamers as part of the deal. No, the, the Dreamers, the... that's off the table. That's not part of the not discussion gonna right now. Not going to happen. No. No, but I think, I'll tell you, I'll t- if there so is a Democrats shutdown... Democrats have folded on that? They're not planning. They're not. They're not planning their flag and you know fighting to the last man on this. They're postponing this until mm-hmm. next month. So there's not going to be a shutdown on this. Um, if if there is a shutdown, it's because they add this, you know, this uh, Murray Alexander legislation that you're so skeptical about, and then Republicans <laughs> kill it in the House because it's a you know Obamacare bailout or something like that. That would be the only you know mm. that that would be the only surprise. And so and I think they are going to add that Murray Alexander bill. Uh, legislation to the CR, and I think they're they're staying so they're going to do it at the last possible moment, and they're staying very quiet about it because they don't want to rile up the conservatives in the House, and that's why mm. I don't think that's why you mm. haven't heard a, a, a peep about it. But I think at the last minute they are going to try to squish those two things together and get them passed. They, they can, uh, uh, you know, the procedure so yeah. much better than I. But they could actually put like a piece of legislation in a continuing budget oh, yeah. resolution. Sure. Absolutely. Oh my yeah, God. Shocked, shocked. Well, yeah, have, <laughs> I'm just shocked at the bag of tricks that they have over there. I mean, oh yeah, it's, I mean, it. That's what makes the job fun. Is there? Are, there are so many different ways to skin the cat and to get things done, and there's so many back doors to to getting things done on Capitol Hill. And, and the way things work nowadays, it's easier to get things done through the back door than to actually 
you know, pass anything as a standalone legislation. And so, <clears throat> but we'll see. I mean, we'll see whether if they do add this Alexander Murray and then, you know, Mark Levin the, and the rest of the, and Sean Hannity go crazy over Obamacare bailout. Mm-hmm. I don't think Hannity would, but if Mark Levin goes, you know, if you get the Limbaugh and Hannity and the conservatives going crazy, I'm sorry, Limbaugh and Levin, Levin. going crazy, crazy over this Obamacare bailout add to the CR, then maybe there could be a last minute, you know, rebellion in the House. But I'd be, I'd be surprised, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's, again, what do I know? But I don't think there's any way that they're going to uh, let the government shut down over the Christmas holiday, right? Why would you step on your tax reform victory yeah. by, you know, yeah. getting into some yeah. mess over this, you know? But again, the the only th- the only way I see there being a shutdown, as I said, is if, you know, at the last minute they take the CR, they strip out the year-long defense funding, mm-hmm. which it now has. Yeah. This, this goes until the CR goes until January 19th, but it would fund defense programs through the end of September. Now Democrats say they're not going to go for that. So that bill's going to come over to the Senate. The Senate's going to pull out the defense funding and then I expect they're going to Try to attach this Murray, Al- Murray Alexander, you know, Obamacare, you know, uh, support legislation, and send it back to the House. Now, that under any other circumstances, that would be very tough for the House to accept. But coming two days before Christmas, I think they're just going to do it. But you know, maybe there could be some sort of last-minute outrage. And, I, and as I said, that's why I think the leadership is keeping this is all this very mm-hmm. quiet because they don't want to, you know, ruffle yeah. any feathers. It's going to be like a last-minute surprise. Well, they're keeping it quiet, but you heard it here first, friends. You heard it here first, friends. Uh, hey, Alex, thanks so much. Great to see you. A Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday. Yeah, yeah. Thank it's you. It's a thank busy you. day, so you better get back there, dude. I know. I got <laughs> yeah. to run, run back up there. Get on. All right. Great to see you. And uh, Justin Sink joins us from Bloomberg News. Coming up next with all the, with the latest from the White House. Stay tuned. But just because you've seen my cousin Denny doesn't qualify you to be a federal judge. And and he has no litigation experience. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, you got it on a Tuesday, December 19, The Bill Press Show. Welcome uh, back to the program or welcome on board. Those of you just joining us as we come to you live all across this great land of ours, coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., Brought to you today by the uh, hardworking men and women of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the UFCW. Uh, They are a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's other hardworking families under the leadership of Mark Perone. Check out their website at ufcw.org. And welcome to the studio. Hot from the White House here in the White House briefing room, Justin Sink. Covering the White House for Bloomberg at Bloomberg News. Hello, Justin. Hey. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, what are the president's Christmas plans? Uh, well, we expect him to head down to Mar-a-Lago. It's his typical winter White House retreat. Yeah. Uh, air quotes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those air quotes. Uh, they usually have a big party on New Year's Eve uh, at Mar-a-Lago, so I will pack my tux to, mm-hmm. to head down there. I'm sure our invites have just uh, yeah. not quite gotten you out know. yet, but... Right. 
But yeah, so you know, I think obviously we've got a lot uh, coming up in the next few days that needs to get done before he can he so, can get out of town. So the tax bill, uh, government funding bill, all these sort of uh, things that have been put off until the last minute, as as typically happens here in Washington. Right, and we'll sign the tax bill and celebrate that for the next uh, couple of weeks while he's in uh, Marlaka over the over the New Year. Yeah, New Year as well. Um, there is a word in the post of the New York Times this morning. Um, out generally, that the attorneys for the president are going to be meeting with special counsel Robert Mueller in the next day or so uh, because they want to know how long this thing is going to last and who are you looking at. Um, yeah, so we've we've done some reporting on this too, and we know that they're uh, expected to meet either later this week or maybe even uh, it falls into next week. Obviously, the the White House is hopeful that this is going to wrap up soon. They say that uh, many of the president's top aides have already sat down for interviews with uh, with Robert Mueller. They know that um, you know Hope Hicks, the communications director, is one of the people still at the White House. But we know Sean Spicer, Rance Priebus, some of the big heavy hitters from early in the administration. Um, Michael Flynn. Michael, <laughs> Michael Flynn. And maybe a little more contentious of a conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you talk to the to the lawyers at the White House and, and people at the White House, they say, hey, they've talked to pretty much everybody they need to talk to. This thing should be coming to an end mm-hmm. any day now. Well, if you talk to sort of outside experts or people who are familiar with um, – how these sorts of investigations go, they say, well, uh, some of the early signs that we've seen, which are George Papadopoulos, Michael Flynn, both seem to now be cooperating with prosecutors. In fact, they may just be getting to the meat of the case that some of these early interviews uh, are were both a, a sort of chance for people to explain their version of the stories, but also for, uh, for the special counsel to set up some... Um, things on the record that they can come back to and say, hey, this conflicts with information that we now know, testimony that we now have, and so uh, use that to continue mm-hmm. to exert pressure. And so I, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if the White House's optimism is warranted on this. Well, um, certainly when you look at the signs of, um, as you point out, um, the indictment so far, other people they've talked to, other people are now cooperating, uh, even the fact that Manafort and Gates, the trial's not set until, I think, April or May or something, all right? right? So that he's going to drag on that long. Uh, Senator Blumenthal um, last night was asked about this. Um, uh, is, is this the end of the road as far as you see it? Uh, here he is. This investigation is mounting in intensity and scope. It is not the beginning of the end. It is the end of the beginning. And there will be more (laughs) indictments and more convictions, I think, is a near certainty before this investigation is over. It does seem to be wishful thinking that that Mueller is wrapping up. Yeah. I mean, where the truth lies is almost entirely impossible to tell because this is a a closed process. But this is, you know, not the first Democrat who said that. I know a couple of weeks ago, Diane Feinstein, you know, was talking mm-hmm. about the president sort of lashing out on Twitter. It was one of his sort of more prolific episodes of uh, creating controversy and chaos. And she said, well, this is a sign to me that they're getting worried. And sure enough, a couple of days later, Michael Flynn came out and had sort of made his plea, plea right. deal. So but we've also seen in the last few days a concerted effort 
uh, it's just sort of been around even when Comey was in charge of the investigation of Donald Trump calling it a witch hunt and fake news, but even a more concerted effort lately to under to raise questions about the credibility or independent judgment of Robert Mueller. Isn't that part of the strategy, too? Oh, I, I think definitely. I mean, we've seen both. Um, there was a story about two FBI agents who were right. conducting Texting. an affair, and yeah. one of them called the president a moron, which uh, you can do if you're the secretary of state, but not if you're... You're an FBI agent <laughs> <laughs> investigating the president, I think. Well, it's no, the secretary of state, it's a, an effing moron. Right? <laughs> um, but there's also been kind of a, a controversy over um, uh, these emails that were obtained from the transition and yeah. uh, whether the special counsel should have been able to, to get access to them or to use them as part of the investigation. Which and, the Government Services Administration gave them. Right. And the attorneys for the GSA point out that these were government emails. It was whatever it was, transition.gov. Yeah. Uh, and they were public emails. Yeah. And you hear from the, the Trump campaign that their argument, I guess, is that, you know, the transition was a private entity that had gone into business with the government. But uh, yeah, yeah. A little <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that it's works. Awesome. In, uh, it's a, it's a heavy yeah. yeah. In, in any case, um, all of these are signals, I think, of uh, increasing concern among the Trump administration or, mm-hmm. or the president and his allies about uh, how this is going to play out. But, yeah. you know, that that being said, we have not seen the sort of bombshell revelation that it, I think the, the big broad question is, OK, are we going to get information that the president directly signed off on or uh, approved or solicited collusion with Russia or are we going to get damaging information about something else that he did that was criminal in some way. I don't think that we've seen those types of indications no, no, yet. And no. and in a lot of ways, I mean, that's that's what we're doing here, right? Those are the big questions. The fact that members of the Trump administration uh, did something criminal, I don't think is a, a huge shock to many people. The fact that Paul Manafort laundered money before, it, right. you know, when he was a consultant. Yeah. 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 And so... I have to admit, that does not directly touch Donald Trump. Right. And so I, I think that we have, while we have not seen the indications that this thing is wrapping up, we also haven't quite yet seen the indications that this is going all the way to the top. Uh, NBC has a report this morning that the FBI had, for uh, during the 2016 campaign, had actually warned uh, both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, uh, watch out for the Russians. We have information that the Russians may be trying to meddle in the campaign and told both campaigns, if you see something, say something. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, so, you know. So, so this idea of the hacking or the meddling, according to NBC, should not have come as a surprise to Donald Trump. Nor should some of you know the headaches that have been created. I mean, President Obama, when he met with Trump in that sort of famous... Oval Office meeting said Michael Flynn, get rid of him. He's yeah. he, you know yeah. he is going to cause you trouble. Right, and he gave that to the president as unsolicited but sincere advice. And Donald Trump Which ignored means he's it. Guaranteed to not take. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I mean, fair, fair <laughs> enough. From Obama, yeah. from Obama rejected. It's yeah. got to be bad. Exactly, right. but um, you know, I, I do think that Donald Trump was given some warning signs. I also think that, I mean, we have to remember back to uh what we all thought going into the campaign, which was that Hillary Clinton was the clear favorite and that the likelihood of Donald Trump getting elected was low. I think that that was 
an assumption not just made by the media or not just made by Democrats, but made by many Republicans and many members of Donald Trump's team. And so what could end up tripping them up a little bit is that a lot of people made, uh, you know, agreements or um, uh, decisions based on the thought that, you know, the campaign was going to be over on November 7th and they -hmm. needed to plow forward with lives as consultants or lobbyists or, um, you know, representatives of, of foreign interests. And, and so that's, I think, creating um, some of these issues as well. Uh, this issue kind of tangentially came up yesterday, sort of shifting topics, but there's a, there's a connection here. When the president made his uh, national security address at the, at the Reagan building downtown, and he did talk about Russia as uh, um, creating problems like for the United States, sure. but, but he never mentioned, they even tried to undermine the last or interfere in the last election. He yeah. still to this day has not condemned Russia for yeah, trying and, to undermine our democracy. And what was interesting, I mean, I, Correct. I, I will preface, yeah, I will preface this whole thing by saying that I think the national security strategy is a bit like the budget that comes out every year, which is that it's an interesting signal of intention, but it ultimately is sort of meaningless. Yeah. I mean, whatever happens in the world, you know, yes. needs to be responded Good to. Good point. Good point. That that being said, what was interesting about this document is the way that it sets up a framework in which the U.S. is competing with China and Russia. That's really the the sort of world that Donald Trump sees. And they spend a lot of time in that document, and they spent a lot of time in the speech yesterday talking about ways that they would confront and address the the sort of competitive threat posed by China. While they recognize Russia as an issue, there was nearly no attention paid to to how to confront or how to deal with Russia. And instead, nope. you know, the president spent his lone mention of Russia during the speech was to sort of brag about how the CIA had given given Russia information to prevent a terrorist and attack. How and how grateful Putin was. Yeah, and, and yeah. how everything's working the way it's <laughs> supposed to work. And Vladimir Putin, he does this end-of-the-year press conference kind of a couple hours long, and he spent that press conference praising Donald Trump. So sort of bromance that exists um, has, you know, continued to sort of give credence to the idea that, that Donald Trump, uh, at the very least, does not, think that Russia um, poses some of those serious existential threats that I think a lot of people are worried about on on both sides of the aisle. Right. So uh, Trump yesterday summed up what this new, um, he says, it's not so new, uh, for maybe the first time he's kind of put all the pieces together, um, what this, uh, America's new, okay, forget new, America's national security policy now is. With every decision and every action, we are now putting America first. America first. So does he have um, Pat Buchanan to thank for that? (laughs) Or is it Charles Lindbergh and um, Joe Kennedy and Henry Ford, the the Hitler super sympathizers in World War II? Yeah, It's it's a loaded phrase. Yeah, and this has been something that's been raised since he kind of brought it up early in the campaign. And, you know, they can't plead ignorance, certainly, on the sort of loaded history of the phrase. But they've also made clear that they have no intention to change it. And it's um, uh, it's become sort of one of his defining phrases in the same way that Make America Great Again is. And, uh, you know, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, you've seen from the sort of alt-right 
community and embrace of Trump. And whether this is a dog whistle to them, you know, I can't look into his heart and say, but um, certainly that is something that his advisors should be thinking about. All of that says it leads into my favorite tweet from yesterday, which was, uh, you know, the president has a very odd way of drinking water, and he did this again during the speech, <laughs> where he wait wait, wait. <laughs> yes. I mean what's odd about this? Yeah, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody put a it's picture of two hands, <laughs> the, yes. the two hands, uh, bringing it straight up, and somebody captioned that "America thirst" on, uh, oh, <laughs> on Twitter. Like so that, that, was, that was by far my favorite, uh, uh, my America favorite tweet. Yes, thirst, okay. yeah. So when you look at the, uh, there's the phrase, but when you look at the. As you point out, it's not this whatever speech you give. It's the actions that follow, right? When you look at the manifestations so far of America first for Donald Trump, uh, I think Paris Accords. Yes. Right? We're going to go it alone. The rest of the world, every other nation on the planet has signed up. No. We're going to go it alone. America, uh, uh, like America only and Amer- is America first. When you look at the Iran nuclear uh, accords, 15 nations all get together. We're uh, we're going to go it alone. We don't care about any of these other nations, right? I mean, there are other other examples like that. What's happening in the Middle East as well, uh, where that seems to and, and and with the trade deals. I mean, TPP. You right. could say I wasn't a big fan of TTP, but he's just saying we're not even going to try to do any other trade deals over there, right? We're just going to do what's good for us. Uh, can you? survive in this in this world global world today with that kind of a policy well so i think there's there's kind of two separate and interesting parts of this one is the first two of those deals that you mentioned the paris climate accords and the iran nuclear yeah. deal while the president has taken sort of rhetorical steps to remove the us from the conversation or said mm-hmm. that he's working towards doing so in actuality we remain in the paris climate accord and will until the end of his right. presidency yeah. and so yeah. Because it takes time to exactly. get out. Right. And the world has sort of continued on without the president, um, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, on that front. With the Iran nuclear deal, despite a lot of bluster, despite kicking it to Congress, Congress looked at it and said, we're not interested in wading into this. And well, they still have some time. It, the clock is still running. Of course. But, yeah. but I think it's been a tacit acknowledgement of uh, success very narrowly defined as keeping Iran from sort of attaining nuclear weapons. On trade, I mean, it's a, it, it is a broad philosophical discussion that is going on, I think, it, among Democrats and among Republicans, certainly, about, you know, improving the economy as a whole. So stock market prices go up, items are cheaper, those sorts of things, versus protecting American jobs at home. And the ramifications of that can be that prices are higher, uh, things are less accessible, that you're more open to disruption because you are protecting old industries that, while you know the rest of the world is sort of evolving by mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. con- and so, you know that is a balancing act that I think has been central to a lot of American foreign policy and, and American economic policy since the begin <laughs> the beginning of the United States. Donald Trump has certainly staked out one side and. A big challenge for Democrats is going to be to either adopt that position because they they agree with it and see it as a political winner, or be able to explain to people that you know 
the economy is changing. We're trying to figure out a way to help the country change, but part of that is going to be this more kind of globalist approach. And you know, that's a that that is maybe an intellectual argument, but a, a tougher sort of visceral argument to me. You mentioned um, the bromance uh, with Trump and and Putin. Um, James Clapper, former NSA director on CNN last night, he's a CNN contributor now, was uh, appearing with Jim Jim Shudo. Uh, he, had, he put a little different different uh, take on it. Here he is. This past weekend is illustrative of uh, what a great case officer uh, Vladimir Putin is. <laughs> he knows how to handle uh, an asset, and that's what he's doing with the president. Uh, You're saying that Russia is handling President well, Trump as an asset? That's the, that seems to be the, that's the appearance to me. That's pretty scary, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> if we know uh, Putin's a pretty good pretty uh, experienced and clever KGB agent running his <clears throat> assets, right? I, I think what's what will be interesting is uh, what we've seen with every presidential administration is there's been a moment at which um, Russia does something that is concretely within, you know, t- furthering their interests and concretely hurting American interests. Like and, seizing Crimea? For instance, uh, that would be a big and one. Getting away with it? Yes, and uh, it has befuddled many presidents before. Uh, it will be an especially interesting sort of experience to see how Donald Trump. I know. Well, I think we've of, seen. I mean, it would hard. It, it, it hard to believe that they could do anything more directly, to, to more direct challenge to the United States than to try to uh, undercut. The election. The election, and yet Donald Trump uh, ignores it totally. Yeah, I mean— So far, publicly has ignored it, not said a word about it. Yeah, and so. it's it's tricky because it's—it's uh, it's tricky for Trump because he see—you know, I think he understands I think the uh, size and scope of his win is far less than he would like to it have been, and so that, you know, any sort of damaging narrative about the illegitimacy of this election uh, is something that he doesn't want to sort of— grapple with in any way. Okay, so um, you cover the White House every day. I uh, must say, yesterday I was asked to appear on, believe it or not, he's still at it, Larry King, Larry King, (laughs) Larry King Live. Uh, And his producer said ahead of time, so um, here are some of the topics we want to go over, you know, boom, 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 give me a whole list. You never know where Larry's going to go, but he was saying, obviously, basically news of the day, but he said, he's probably going to ask you, um, so... What are this nearing the end of the Donald Trump's first year? What are the good things he's done, and what are the bad things he's done? Uh, I ask you, Justin Sick, and I must say, I had a hard time thinking of good things he's done. You know what I came up with? He pardoned the Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mac, that, that was, mac and cheese or whatever the names were. That could have yeah, gone, really gone yeah. Someone was, pointed out today, we now know more about UFOs and the JFK assassination, yeah. technically. These are, these are good points. I'm a little scared by the UFO stuff, yeah, to be no, honest. I, it's, you know, that's, uh, that's a little... Uh, well, that is my, since you mentioned, that's my favorite story of the day. $22 million a year we've been spending on tracking UFOs, and there's still 700 that they haven't figured out. That doesn't seem like enough money. If like the Pentagon <laughs> yeah, is yeah, actually yeah, worried yeah. about this or like has alloys that they can't explain, I'm like, let's let, Look, one fewer Osprey and uh, let's, let's yeah. yeah like, I, I've I've been fairly <laughs> on the record of saying like, yeah, we're probably alone in the universe. But now like they've got these things that they can't explain. Where do they these find these metal alloys in 
Area 51 or whatever it is. I guess, yeah, I guess. But now I'm kind of like, damn it. I'm, I'm fine with them spending money on it to see what else is I out know, there. yeah. Um, <laughs> but to go back to your original right, question, yeah. I mean, right. I think that's a... It, well, how do you assess this first yeah, year? It, Maybe it's a fairer question. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that if you... Well, one, one sort of interesting trend of this week has been White House officials have been sort of proudly trumpeting what they see as the president's accomplishments. And... Uh, while I think that they sort of objectively are fewer than most modern presidents, if you're a Republican, you can point to Neil Gorsuch being on the Supreme Court. You can point to this tax bill that's about to pass and significantly overhaul our economy um, and sort of the, and, change and, the tax code in the biggest in, way since George And in Shoji between Bush. those two, there's a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> each end of January, tax bill, end of December. The eco- I mean, I, I, you know. I, a lot of golf games. In between. <laughs> the economy is doing well. And mm-hmm. I think that where you want to assign credit for that and what the sort of economic underpinning yeah. of that is is sort of a broader debate. But. If you just look at the at the numbers, the the stock market has done extremely well, and that's something that that benefits everybody. Uh, but um, uh, you know, there certainly were some rough patches, and there was a sort of erosion of, uh, I think, some of the things that we typically look to for the president as somebody who unites the country in times of moral or racial or political strife um, who puts the interests uh, put some of those broader interests above his personal ones that the the president has made no qualms about saying you yeah. know that's not his brand that's not why he was elected and, and that's not what mm. he's he's sort of looking to do with the office right uh, and in a sense you know we got the guy that we saw in 2016 right yeah exactly I mean you, yeah. we, we know what we bought so. all right well, you're heading down to Mar-a-Lago, I know, shortly after Christmas, so... Uh, <laughs> I'll bring back some souvenirs. We wish you well. Hey, Justin, thanks so much for coming in. All right, thanks, great to see you. Bloomberg, Bloomberg.com, the day is yours. This the most of it. is the tomorrow. Bill Press Show. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.